Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Cleary. And today we'll be discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Damas Cleary, my friend, mm. my co-host of the last six years, this <laughs> is it. The last ever season of TV we'll be reviewing for the podcast, How You Feeling? Um, <laughs> well, I was already weirdly emotional Then you said that, so how dare you? Don't, don't look at me, don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I'm really mm-hmm. glad it's Buffy that we're talking about for our last one. I'm excited mm-hmm. about doing this, actually. Um, I wonder how much I have to say. I feel like because <laughs> over the years, we've said everything to each other. What else is there new to say about Buffy? Mm. Um, particularly season one will be interesting. But um, yeah, I think this is bittersweet. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to what comes next. I'm definitely going to miss the podcast. Mm. I'm not going to miss the amount of work it takes to do the podcast. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, but, um, but the funny thing is, it's like... This was a funny one because we're going to bet something we knew we already liked on some level. Mm. It was it was uh, a real pleasure to do it. And I was like, oh, why are we, why are we stopping this again? This is easy. <laughs> I know. Just watching one of my favourite shows so we can talk about. Easy peasy. Yeah, I absolutely had the same reaction. I'm like, oh, I can do this for another six years. <laughs> Which I, I know I just simply can't. I was like real puttering towards the end of uh, this six-year run. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, so it's... It's easy to forget all the work that goes into it. Yeah. And it's, well, yeah, there's there's stuff. There'll be something. We've got to figure out exactly what that looks like. What form of that takes, especially with our lives changing the way they mm-hmm. are, especially this year. Fucking hell, 2023 is going to be an interesting year. Um, but for those who don't know, this there will be one more episode of Hunting Seasons after today. This is just our last review episode. We'll do a final big grand finale special look back at the last six years, sort of wrapping up the podcast uh, once and for all before we move on to whatever's next. Um, so you can look forward to that in the next, we'll see, week, two or so. We'll figure out what it's going to look like ourselves. Um, but there will be one more episode coming. So I encourage anyone, we've already had some very nice messages, which we might get to um, in the final episode, but anyone who wants to reach out, ask us a question, if there's anything they want to know um, about you know, the podcast, about us, about the last six years, um, anything I want to, you know, just part messages they want to pass on. Please send um, that sort of stuff to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. We'd love, love, love to hear from you. Even if you've never spoken to us before, just like to say, hi, I've uh, been listening for a while now and really enjoyed you guys. Or, or I've been listening and I hate you guys. Whatever. We don't really care. <laughs> just to know there's people out there listening. Mm. Be weird if we got a flood listen. of like good riddance emails. We did. Um, oh, thank God. It's finally yeah, it's over. over. 
<laughs> unsubscribe. <laughs> Finally. All right. Let's do it. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is an American supernatural drama television series created by writer and director Joss Whedon, <clears throat> based, though not canonically, on the 992 film of the same name. The show follows Buffy Summers, a high school girl who just wants to live a normal teenage life, but is chosen by fate to be the Slayer, destined to battle against vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness. Premiering on the WB on March 10th, 1997, the show stars Sarah Michelle Gellar, Alison Hannigan, Nicholas Brendan, Charisma Carpenter, David Boreanaz, Christine Sutherland, and Anthony Stewart Head as Buffy's watcher, Rupert Giles. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1 consists of 12 episodes, each coming in at around 44 minutes. It took us approximately 8 hours and 45 minutes to watch on Disney Plus here in Australia. Buffy would go on to run for seven seasons, ending in 2003, having built a massive fan following and changing the world of TV and the world of these two podcast hosts forever. So, Damask, before we get to our spoiler-free review of Buffy Season Mm -hmm. 1... Aside from teasing it for years on end on this show, mm-hmm. why did we choose Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1 to be our final hunting season's review? Uh, well, I speak to that in my spoiler-free review, but <laughs> um, it, it, it has a special place in our friendship as well as the television landscape as a whole. I mean, that, you, yeah, succinctly put, I'll, I'll let you extrapolate on that then in your review. But yeah, that's basically it. It's like it was a very, very meaningful show for us personally and then individually and collectively, the two of us. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, it was also extremely influential and important in the landscape of like modern TV. Like you think mm-hmm. about when this show came out in 1997, this is a couple of years before The Sopranos uh, started airing and is Sopranos is considered sort of like the the grandfather or the... The first of like uh, prestige prestige TV shows that we know today, Buffy had an influence on modern television as well in a big, big way um, that a lot of people still recognise to this day. Um, it's also worth discussing that we probably didn't review this earlier due to some of the controversies around the creator <laughs> that have yeah kind of unfolded before our eyes over the last six years. I realise <sighs> like we were. We were talking about Firefly back in our first year or second year, I think, oh, no. as well. And mm. I don't think things were quite as clear then as they are now about Joss Whedon. But, um, no, they certainly weren't. Um, yeah. But they are now. <laughs> but they are now. Um, and yet, here we are talking about Buffy all the same. Mm-hmm. Damask, would you like to give your spoiler-free review of Buffy the Vampire by Slayer Season 1, please? Sure. <laughs> the last time. Here we go. All right, so as you were just saying, it's only fitting that our final review is Buffy. It cemented my friendship with Brod, you know, as we sat in his bedroom as teenagers, watched it and passionately discussed it like, you know, little wankers that we were. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'd always loved film and television, but I never had the opportunity to talk about or debate it before before that friendship with Broad. I didn't know about chat rooms or sites where I could go and nerd out with others. So I just watch and rewatch things and have all of these thoughts with nowhere to go. That was until I started to hang out with Broad and his friends. A real collection of Xanders, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. But is it am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not wrong. <laughs> I didn't know television could be a passion. It was, you know, in my house and I think in the 
don't know, larger culture. It was something lazy people did when they were too unimaginative to do anything else. But no, spending those teen years watching and debating Buffy with Broad made space for me to realize that I had a passion for story and yes, story that was particular for this medium of television. It allowed my love to flourish and grow. I think now when someone asks me the simplest question about a show I'm interested in, you know, my heart begins to race and my mind is caught up in like this tornado of exciting thoughts that I just spew out at them, those poor people. But I don't feel silly about being passionate about television anymore. I enjoy that feeling and have done so since Broad and I pressed play for the first time on that DVD. Buffy was the catalyst that helped me discover that this is my thing. TV is my thing. These are the stories I want to talk about. And even when the podcast goes dark, I will continue to harass my friends with my opinions. TV is so important and it's so valid to be passionate about. This is how the majority of people experience and learn about the world. I learned to be more compassionate through TV. I learned to be braver through TV. I learned about parts of myself I had never thought there and about parts of others I never otherwise could. What started as, you know, flickering black and white images on a clunky big box in your living room is now projected onto every screen we possess. We no longer sit by the glowing fire and hear a story. We sit by a flickering screen and watch. We want to be taken somewhere else to see lives unlike our own, but hearts that echo ours. TV can be many things, but for me, it's this, this very simple thing. I don't know you, but I know you. And when a show allows us access into a shared understanding of what it is to be a person, good Lord, I'm in. Which brings me back to Buffy, the show I'm meant to be reviewing. And sorry, I get so lectury and tangenty whenever I start thinking about this show. And even just that sentence I wrote is very Buffy-esque. It really has infiltrated my mind and heart. Anyway, where was I? You know, I, I think for most people my age, you know, add or sub, subtract five, ten years, who are passionate about TV, the origin is most of the time Buffy. And that's not a coincidence. This show has inspired countless creators to go on and tell their own stories, feeling seen and validated by the stories told within Buffy. It had a unique voice and made others believe that having your own distinct voice was beneficial to storytelling on TV. You didn't have to be the same. But more than just creators, though, this show sparked a passionate appreciation of television for my gen, opened up the scope of what the medium could do. The show took television seriously, but had fun doing it. Long-form narratives are so hard to pull off, and this show perfected it. The key? Care and respect for character. How this show treats its characters has formed what I love about TV – For those of you that have listened to the 199 other reviews we've done, know that character is always the most important thing to me. In my mind, at least, every show should follow the principles laid out by Buffy. Obviously, not every show should have quippy asides and its own vernacular. In fact, if that was the case, I'd chuck my TV into the bin. No, what I desire from a show is well-laid-out character and a deep understanding of relationships. What stays with you about this show is not the big bads, although there are some truly great ones, or the threat of another apocalypse, or the flashy CGI, and yes, it was flashy for the time. (laughs) What stays with you are the people. Buffy has always dedicated its time to creating fully formed characters. 
I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but there is a moment in this season in which Buffy looks at her watcher, the adult guide in her life, and for all of the hijinks and frivolity of the show, she says to him in absolute vulnerability, I'm 16, I don't want to die. This line works for multiple reasons and will have you tearing up. One, Sarah Michelle Gellar is truly incredible in the role of Buffy Summers. And this is just season one. Her performance is nuanced and impactful throughout the show's run, though. When comedy is required, she gives. When sassiness is required, good Lord, she gives. And when heart-wrenching pain is required, she will have you on your knees. And this is one of the first moments we see her true capabilities. Secondly, this moment brings the show back into focus. All of those larger elements I mentioned, you know, end of the world, death, destruction, camp horror – They are super engaging part of the show, but it only stays with you if you care. And this show never forgets to remind you to care, to remind you of the toll that this teenage girl must endure. Prophecies be damned. She has just made best friends who finally understand her. She wants to fall in love for the first time. She wants to go to biology class and complain about how stupid it is. And in that moment, her voice gets very small and cracks with heartbreak. I'm 16. I don't want to die. It's a good moment, but my explanation can never give it justice because what really holds it up are the scenes that led up to it. The ones in which this 16-year-old laughs with her friends, fights for them, dances with them, and shows us that she's actually, despite the superpowers, a real person with real relationships. Now, okay, all right. I need to get back to the actual season. I'm here to review <laughs> properly. <laughs> you know, first. No, 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 you're allowed to do what you want in this one. <laughs> okay. It's like I think it's I think it's understood we're talking about Buffy as a whole while also yes. talking about Buffy. We have to. Yeah. We have to. Yeah, Our last to. opportunity. Um yeah. First seasons are notoriously rough. You know, there's a whole world to introduce as well as a cast of characters that inhabit it. Buffy season one is a solid beginning for the series. It has a strong sense of self clearly articulates its characters and has a clear format of monster of the week with one overarching big bad that is a looming threat. And as I watched the series, it got me excited. I wanted to binge it. I wanted to get to the next season. And sure, maybe that's because I know just how good this series gets. But I think a big part of it is a genuine enjoyment of most episodes. Mm -hmm. Is it silly to watch a main character get kidnapped by a giant bug? Maybe, but the concern expressed by the other characters is portrayed as genuine and pressing. And so me as an audience member feels that same concern. It's the development of and commitment to the connection of the relationships that gives the most absurd stakes and stories a weight that not many shows in the genre have. Thanks to Buffy, there are now countless teen dramas with a supernatural edge However, what most of those seem to suffer from is a distinct misunderstanding of what made the original so great. When these imitations focus on relationships, they almost always prioritize romantic and sexual connections. And this show doesn't really do that. Is that is there an element of romance? Of course there is, but that's not what this show focuses on. Buffy isn't really a show about a chosen one. It's about the development and endurance of a chosen family. The family is often messy and complicated, but every action, whether good or not, is done with love for one another. That's why the end of the world matters, because the people that mean the most are in danger, not civilization itself. 
once again, I kind of got distracted from this season of Buffy, but what I'm trying to say is I can't really review this season in a fresh way. I love the show as a whole. It's important to me. And I know I've been really subtle about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, like whatever. I like this season. You should watch the show. But also, how have you not watched this show already? <laughs> Are you insane? So that's, that's my, I guess, review. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And now uh, there's no way I can, I can top that or follow that. Um, but I'll do my best just to... Um, first, of all, I just want to ask you a couple of questions based on um, uh, some of the things you said as well or comment on. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I definitely I, I had the same effect on me from Buffy, I guess, is that uh, the care for characters in Buffy and how mm. that's made me affected my taste or unlocked the, the understanding of what makes the shows I care about the most work. Like, I mm. think about Avatar The Last Airbender or I think about Community or I think about even Doctor Who when it's at its best, which all have, like, an episode of the week sort of structure to them. They all have mm-hmm. an overarching storyline. But most importantly, um, they do have... Uh, that care for character. It's like that first and foremost, the characters are people inside mm-hmm. whatever zany world or situation you want, but they make you care. Um, yeah. And that that is always at the at the base or at the center of the shows that I truly, 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 truly love. And that starts with Buffy for me. And when did you start watching Buffy? I'm not sure. Did you start? You were watching Buffy before we were friends, right? Yeah. So I watched yeah. season one and maybe two when it was first being aired on television, right. I still kind of can't believe that my parents let me watch it because I was, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch Charmed because I had witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I guess Buffy was so on this other, slightly more absurd yep. level that my, you know, Christian parents were like, "Yeah, this is silly, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, she wore a cross around her neck. That maybe that helps. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she was fighting the forces of evil as opposed to um, benefiting from them. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I watched it when it first aired. And then, but I think like we only got the first, maybe two, maybe three seasons. And then it went on like a really weird time, like far too late for it me. It got pushed super late. So I remember, yeah. and I've always been a night owl, but I remember I, for, this has probably affected me as it why I'm into TV as well. I had a TV in my room from a pretty young age. So I remember watching a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have been, stuff that mm. was on SBS, like Evangelion and South Park when I was still in primary school. And Buffy was there too, because 1997, I would have been in grade four. Uh, Four, I think. Mm. Um, and I don't know exactly when I started watching Buffy. I think it was pretty early on. But I remember like when Once More With Feeling was first on, I yeah. remember sitting up that night to watch it because even then somehow I knew that that was going to be a special episode. A thing, yeah. And it was on like 10.30pm on Channel 7 or whatever. Yeah. So I was watching it from an early stage. But then ultimately I think shows how dedicated I was to the show. When I finally got a job, I was like 15. I was making money yeah. working like night shift at... at Big W. I spent my money on two things and two things only. Futurama DVD box sets, <laughs> which was also hard to watch because they put on some ridiculous time after a while, yeah. and Buffy box sets and bought the whole, all yeah. of them. There was like- I think, yeah, that's what? like when, because I watched it on TV, but I was so little at the time. Like I was like a baby. But then when the DVD started coming out, then you go like yes. the video store. I didn't buy them, but, like, but at the video store- I'd go and like hire them and watch them and stuff. And that's how I kept up relatively up to date with what was going on in the Buffy verse. Yeah. Would is, do you think Buffy, (laughs) I have this memory of this moment. Was Buffy one of the reasons we actually started the podcast? Like I remember a particular party we were at, at, uh, I think it might've been before you were living with us in uh, Mm. Clifton Hill and we're pretty drunk. (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Mm -hmm. One of our, 
uh, mutual friends slash acquaintances decide to tell us that Buffy sucked. Was it that party or maybe it was a different party? No, it was that. So the instance that you're talking about yeah. is um, it was before you moved into the house that before we- Before I moved lived. into that Yeah, one. it was okay. the house before that. Yep. Um, and yes, you and I were intoxicated. This is true. <laughs> um, and yes, one of our mutual friends- said something disparaging about Buffy oh, and yeah, Firefly, we I believe. So, both uh-huh. of those shows. And you and I, this poor person, <laughs> like, you and I get like pretty luxury at the best of times when we've got control of our like minds and mouths. <laughs> and we didn't have control of either. And this poor person was just sat there silent as we yelled and screamed and pointed. And I think it was a good three-hour lecture as to yeah. why they were wrong. <laughs> So, really, that was like episode zero of uh, Hunting <laughs> yeah. Seasons, just the one we didn't record. Yeah, yeah I'm glad it's not recorded. Jeez Louise. Um, uh, as I echo a lot of what you said and what I've written, I've I've got, yeah, I haven't written quite as extensively as you have. So, I'm sorry, listeners, I can't compete with what Damascus done there. What a treat. Um, I was trepidatious about coming back to Buffy uh, and to review it. Um, firstly, uh, the aforementioned Whedon of it all. Just, it's gotten awkward to talk about Buffy now because- the guy who is most associated with it and its creation is apparently a piece of shit. Uh, which yeah, I will say to that, though, because I'm like, well, why can I watch Buffy and Firefly? Um, but I just simply can't bring myself to read like the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because he's disappeared. You know what I mean? He hasn't like, as far as, as, far as I know, unless he's like yeah. still tweeting and defending no, his no. positional actions. Um, and like, I'm not excusing what he's doing. I think it's terrible. And he should disappear um so it's not a constant thing in which i'm like oh, i totally disagree with this person's worldview i can still very much put buffy in my mind as belonging to me and there's also an part of my life yeah he he is he has virtually disappeared which mm. is good he doesn't have an online presence he's not spewing hate and stuff like that around the internet like other people creators we like to forget but the other thing is as well with Buffy I think that helps is it's much more collaborative than a book series right like JK is so so much like 99% of what Buffy is comes Mm -hmm. you know this we don't discount editors and artists and stuff like that associated with um, Harry Potter but JK is is responsible for the vast majority of what Harry Potter is and, like, you can make the argument that's true of Whedon, but it's just not going to be true. There are other writers mm. on the staff, directors, producers, the actors themselves, etc. And it's true, especially as this show goes on, he actually gets less involved with Buffy as he goes to do, like, Angel and Firefly and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so, his influence wanes over time, and potentially when the show is sometimes at its best as well. Like, yep. it's... Uh, so it's easier to like look at people like um, Drew Goddard or Marty Knox and these sorts mm. of writers and directors who are on the show and understand how important their influence was and we can still celebrate them, which makes it a lot easier, I think, to look past mm. it. But still, it's awkward to go and talk about Buffy and anything that's like Whedon-esque um, because of what's been happening there. And secondly, I just wondered how well the show, but especially season one, would mm. hold up. This is a show that is legendary in my head, but not one I've returned to heaps, uh, especially when you're trying to watch a season of television each and every week, uh, aside from a few choice episodes, which I do return to on occasion, and especially, especially not season one. I really don't think I've gone back and watched season one a whole lot, if much at all, 
Agreed. Um, yeah. It's one of the ones it, I've watched the least of, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's easy to do it because if you're familiar with the show, you sort of understand the it, it, it's the season that's introducing you to the to the to the world and to the characters. And like by the end of season one, you're not in a place where you have to have you have to remember a lot of stuff that happened. You the, the big plot point at the end of season one, you remember that much, and everything for their mayor is gravy, pretty much. It's obviously I don't think it's the show at its full powers either. Mm. And I was worried how it would have dated, be that the dialogue, the visuals, or just the vibe in general. It turns out I'm a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> I obviously can't discount that I am already very partial to this show. So, yeah, bias for days. But very, very, very quickly, I fell back in love with this show. Or more accurately, these characters. Um, Buffy, I, in the years I've been actively watching the show, mm. I think I have really undervalued Buffy Summers as a character. You have. We've had this discussion before many times, yes. She is the fucking best. She is the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, she really, really is. In my mind, and I, this is funny to think about this now, it's because it's not just reflecting on the show, it's reflecting back on me, the person who was watching the show back in the day. Mm. Was I Xander? Yes. Did I see myself <laughs> as Xander? Probably. Absolutely. Self definitely. Burn. Yeah. And yeah, you, but you, you know, it's not, I don't think it's unusual to no, see not. a version of yourself on TV or someone that sort of represents you on TV and be drawn to that. Now, that's not mm. to say I thought Xander was the best character in the show, mm. but it probably, I didn't necessarily, as much as I liked Sarah Michelle Geller, and I did really like Sarah Michelle Geller, especially, boy, I had, <laughs> I'm just remembering getting the yearbook when I was still in primary school. Oh, I had a massive crush on SMG. Um, <laughs> Uh, the I, I don't think I necessarily really, really appreciated Buffy. I probably appreciated like Willow and Giles mm. and some of these characters, Anya, who comes up in later seasons and stuff like yes. that, a bit more. And coming to it now, she is fun, funny, relatable, strong, vulnerable, and just a flat out like great hero. Yes. She, the thing, the revelation I had watching season one is just she just knows everyone at that school and mm-hmm. she genuinely cares for people not just she's so the lovely she's like, the best and not in like a saccharine annoying or nope. boring way she's just like a really fun nice person 100% <laughs> yeah. um and i think that's a lot of props needs to be given to sarah michelle geller for as mm. you said just knowing how to bring that to make herself charming and likable even before you get to the the high emotional stuff like you did do towards the end of the season and so forth. Mm. She's just fucking cool. And I think I probably understand the appeal. Like, I don't want to minimize the character of Buffy by comparing her to another character, but I think it works in a similar way to why Peter Parker as Spider-Man is is someone that a lot of people gravitate towards. Peter Parker is very relatable, is just, you know, that nerdy high school guy who happens to also be Spider-Man. He's been inflicted with these powers, has this great responsibility. I mean, so much of this speaks to what Buffy is. They're not the same, but they work on a similar level. And it's like the appeal makes total sense, even if I've never really recognized that until this time for some dumb reason. The good influence of doing the podcast, I guess, is I can start to see these things differently. Uh, Willow and Giles, also wonderful characters. Mm-hmm. Not a revelation, but Alison Hannigan might be the MVP of the show, especially season one, aside from probably oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's so wonderful. Yeah. She, just, she just makes you care, whether it's yeah. Willow's cute and nerdy quirks that make you adore her, or a big doe-eyed tears that make you want to protect her with your life. Like oh, she's- sorry. And this isn't a spoiler, but there's one moment where Buffy is going to go off because she sees someone in a crowd 
and Willow just cutely goes, "Oh, you like you don't have to come back. Like that's yes. fine." And Buffy, being lovely, this is the, this the, the relationship stuff. Just being the best, she's like. I'll be right back to... Yeah. Oh, it's just, like, so cute and so beautiful, yeah. I marked that also, because I think that's in episode one, isn't it? I think so, uh, yeah. It's like it's like Buffy's save the cat moment. Like, Willow is the save the cat. It's like, you realise that Buffy is cool, because Buffy recognises that Cordelia sucks and Willow is cool. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, Xander and Angel? Eh, whatever. <laughs> I definitely used to see myself as Xander. I can actually... I can still relate to him, because I can remember being that guy in high school. Mm-hmm. But a lot less so as an adult. But I still think he's interesting. He's a very he flawed character. That yep. doesn't mean he's a bad character. Well, he's yeah, just- one of my notes is like, Xander is the worst. And yes, there are moments where I hate him. But also, he's probably the most accurate depiction of a teenager. I myself yeah. was also a Xander in high school. Mm. Like, you know, just very like selfish and self-serving in so many ways. Um, but yeah, so... As an adult, I've got a different perspective of him now. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, though. I think uh, Angel is almost a, like a non-character in this in this season. Um, we get to places with Angel. I think mostly... Well, stuff happens in season two, obviously, that mm-hmm. makes him a much more compelling character. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, it, I, from my understanding, Angel was almost thrust upon the show. They had to include like spoilers for Buffy the Vampire. I'm going to give you a little one here for season one. Angel is a romantic character, <laughs> right? Yes. Is a, is a romance option for Buffy in this show. Mm-hmm. And was kind of thrust upon the show, I think, and you can feel it. Like, yeah. you can... It, it, it's He is not fun or compelling particularly, no. I just think. He is very <laughs> every, every scene with him in it, I'm like, all right, I, I mean, this is, like, nice for Buffy to have, like, a bit of eye candy, but beyond sure. that, like, get out of here. I want to see I'm her here. with her friends. He's also yeah. fucking useless in season one. Like, Yeah, just, he really just, is. He's just all, just comes in, says something cryptic, and then never shows up when he like needs to be there to help out. Like, come on, dude, <laughs> yeah. where are you? Uh, the format of the show, bring this shit back. Monster of the Week type stuff. The show gets more serialized as it goes on, but never loses its, its episodic structure. And it's, it's its most pure in season one. In 44 mm. minutes, you get a complete... Fun, scary, heartfelt little story with a clear idea and point of view. Bing, bang, boom. What a treat. I was left, as you said, wanting to binge this. I Again, I started this season trepidatious. Like, do I... How am I going to feel about this show? And instantly I was like, next episode, next episode, next episode, next episode. The best thing that's happened, I think, when watching this is after I finished watching season one, I started watching season two instantly. But not only that, I think this is one of the... This has really stoked me. My fiance Steph has never watched Buffy. Wow. Now, we weren't sitting down to watch it together, but she was in the room a couple of times while I was watching it, and she genuinely sat down and, like, started enjoying the show. And then between me watching episodes, I caught her watching episodes to catch up. We are now at the same point in season two, and mm-hmm. we're going to be watching it together going forward. I'm mm-hmm. fucking stoked. Like, we're going to get to watch I, all I of it together. I stopped myself from going into season two because I, I really wanted to, but then I knew that knowing my brain, I'd get confused as to like, sure, what sure, happened sure. when. Um, but, yeah, pretty much as soon as this podcast is finished recording, I'm jumping back in bed and binging season two. Yeah. it's it, I, And, like, the fact that... It, that I mean, Steph is of our... Um, generation of our ilk, mm-hmm. so maybe it's just naturally appealing to her. She probably has some mm. background affinity to it anyway, but the fact that she could look at this 
And let's be honest, it's clunky. The visuals are clunky, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 of a time. Those but fight you- scenes are of a particular oh. um, choreography of the 90s and early 2000s. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, not just the choreography, but the way it's shot. Oh, like, yeah. You know, it's yeah, and edited, especially, yeah. the, especially the combat stuff and the yeah. costumes and mm-hmm. the, like, all I of gotta it. i got to say, though, as effects. I was um, re-watching episode one, um, just yesterday I was re-watching it, I was like, if I showed this to my students, they'd be like, oh, every outfit they probably is in their yes. closets now. So I'm like, at least they don't have like that stopping them from like That's enjoying true. the show. So maybe now's really the time to introduce it to the younger kids. Do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought that was a huge tick in the show's favor beyond my bias that someone who'd never watched the show before was like gravitated towards it. Um, also, yeah, what you said, the heart of this show. This is where the magic truly lies. Buffy has heart. My memory of season one in particular is that it was silly, which it's not, which is not not true. Um, mm-hmm. But I was drawn so quickly um, into the show because every episode, amongst the silly demon costumes, the clunky stunts, and the twee dialogue, makes the time to make you give a shit because the characters give a shit. There are emotional stakes, either in the immediate sense or as the characters reflect on this week's adventure and how it might mirror their own lives. It's such a simple formula and yet so hard to do right, but Buffy nails it right from the very beginning. The only complaint I have about this show, really, is that Mm. it's a travesty that we cannot watch it in its original 4x3 formatting if you're trying to stream it. We are stuck with these... Controversial, to say the least, HD remasters, where, yes, they've made it fit the widescreen format, but that often means they've cropped that down from 4 by 3 They've actually made... We're seeing less of the image. Some mm-hmm. occasions, they have been able to find the original footage, which was, um, I think, shot on 16... No, it would have been 16 mil. Maybe it was 16 mil. And then find the extra bits on the side, though that is controversial and has some problems as well. They've sort of glossed over some of the big bl- uh, flubs that somehow made into the show at one point. Um but yeah, I would give anything to be able to watch this in four by three with the original framing. Um, or if Disney, come on, guys, like you've got the money, make the effort to give this a proper HD makeover. Like let's let's get something out there that we can all watch and enjoy. And and it's just it's it's such it's such an important part of the TV landscape for it to be treated so poorly like this. Yeah, is a it's fucking ridiculous. travesty. Yeah, can you like? I mean, are they doing this to the Sopranos? Like, that's a good question. No, I would love no. to because they because they shouldn't. I mean, well, there the was- Sopranos was it originally four by three? I think it might have because it was on HBO. I think it might have been widescreen from the very beginning. Oh, um, was it? So it okay. might have been a little bit easier. Um, but the question is, like, would it would it be? I mean, this is just like I, there's such a misunderstanding um, by so many people of what Buffy really is and what it really means to the television landscape. I remember like when I, you know, moved into a share house um, when I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. and, you know, I was studying creative writing and like my focus was on screenwriting and being asked, oh, like what's your favourite like film or TV show and saying Buffy and people being really confused and or laughing because yes. they actually didn't understand the importance and I feel like either these streaming services or whoever is behind these decisions don't actually understand that it is like such a wonderful um, example of the medium and should be respected as such. And to like play with that is actually super insulting and ridiculous. 
Yeah, and it would make it so much easier for others to find it and for people to appreciate it if it just got treated better like that. Like, uh-huh. it would just make it easier for us to be able to to completely and full-throatedly recommend it to people because it's not going to be as clunky an experience if they can watch it that way, yeah. And I, I still will recommend it absolutely, 100%. Yeah. But, but, man, it would be such a treat. And it would, like, fuck, I would go out and buy a 4K. If it was properly done, I would mm-hmm. 100% buy... Um, like a HD remastered collection. Absolutely. Um, in a second. In a second. Take my money. Um, the uh, question I had for you as well before we get to um, spoiler talk, how the one thing that's probably outside of uh, the fan community that people know Buffy for is for its, like, dialogue. People can talk about, like, mm-hmm. the, the Whedon-esque... Um, how that dialogue or that like quippiness has made its way into like um, other TV shows and even movies and stuff. People talk about, especially if you can, if you don't like Marvel, about how like that sort of sensibility of dialogue writing um, mm. uh, made its way into like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff like that. How are you finding it in season one? How are you finding it returning to it? Does it still work for you? Did it always work for you? Like, what's your feeling on it? Um, I think without this show's, you know, its own vernacular, um, that is Buffy. And yes, I think it can be hard to, um, remove it from how much it has leaked out into pop culture Mm. now as a whole. Um, it worked for me back then and watching it, I was like, well, this is, this is Buffy. This is the tone of it. This is how the characters in this world speak to one another. Are there some lines where I'm like, oh, it's a bit dorky, but that's the show and it's 1997 and at no point was I like, oh, I really don't like the way yeah. they speak. It, that that's, was- that's what the show is. That is how yeah. they speak. That is the world. Um, and if you can't get down with that, then you're probably not going to like a large majority of the show. Sorry about it. But yeah, you got to respect it. It kind of, it paved the way of that way of doing things um, and it's, that is the voice of the show. Mm-hmm. You're either on board or you're not. Uh, yeah, I think I think when it worked, it worked really well. I think that times that it doesn't work, two things helped to save me. One, mm-hmm. the performances were strong enough that even the di- the, the, the dialogue was a little bit clunky or a little bit too twee, mm. was still presented in a way that, yes. that didn't make it so cringy, right? And it's funny, I, I watched or, or scanned through the original unaired Buffy pilot, <clears throat> which is very similar to episode one of the show, essentially, has a different Willow, though. And you can feel the difference between, like, mm. an Alison Hannigan presenting the Willow lines versus mm-hmm. somebody who's not Alison Hannigan and, like, why she was cast because she just has a way of making that sort of stuff work. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so that helps. And two, also, the other part of it is when it's not working, it's kind of still fun on a campy level. And this show is campy yes, as well. Like, absolutely. it's campy This is camp horror. I yeah, exactly so. right. Um, yeah. It also, I find the that sort of dialogue doesn't, it doesn't, like, infect the serious scenes. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like, it doesn't undercut the emotion when you need the emotion. It's more the banter in between those moments is where mm-hmm. it appears, or especially when Buffy's having a fight scene. Again, very Peter Parker. She gets very quippy with vampires, mm-hmm. like always <laughs> has an opening line and an ending line mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but the emotional stuff doesn't get, like, 
uh, invaded by that. And so that it, it so yeah, it, it's it's where it should be. It's not where yes. it shouldn't be. And so that helps a lot as well. Mm. I also think like, and the show I'm about to mention is nowhere near as good as Buffy, but certainly a show that was coming around somewhat around the same time. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like Gilmore Girls, right? There, mm-hmm. there has mm-hmm. a distinct way in which they communicate with one another. Um, and I, I tried to rewatch that show, but it's so straight now. I just can't. <laughs> like it's it's so heterosexual wow. um, that it's I, <laughs> I kind of hate it. Um, and I love that show so much. But, you know, people would always complain about the way in which they spoke. And it's like, yeah, either you like it or you don't. If you can't get around that, and that's fine if you can't, but that's the tone of the show. That's the style of the show. And I don't think mm. you can tear them from one another. Mm-hmm. How would you score season one of Buffy out of five stars? Mate, I have no idea. I left it blank. I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know how to begin. Like, I guess it's like for a first season, though, it's really good. Yeah. Super um, strong. Do you the, I don't know, like a, a four and then like every other season is pretty much a five. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, know, I don't know. Let's like, not pretend season four, uh, four is particularly right, good. Season four. season four is like... <laughs> A three. <laughs> I um, mean, that's. I'm really looking forward to going back because I do wonder. I do wonder, mm. like, if I'm going to find some things in season four that I appreciate more now as an adult. There will. That- be. I think there's like there are some good things in season four. Oh, there's definitely um, some good things. Like definitely some good things. Absolutely, but there is an element of that season which is so atrocious. Um, it's, that's what sticks out, but I'm sure Can, there's going to be heaps what, in there what's that I the, love. What's the element? Can you give it a name? <laughs> Adam. Oh, okay. Adam. Yeah, Adam sucks. Um, oh, and do you want me to say the other name? There's two names. Well, there was- a, Although there was that, a, uh, the other name, though, does contribute to the development of Buffy in a way so that is really important. The, we're way off topic here. If Sorry. The, if, the, if, the, if, the, if the answer is Riley, right, is the second mm. name- Mm-hmm. That's the bit I'm actually most interested in reassessing now. As I'm reassessing Angel right this mm-hmm, second, mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe I'll feel different about Riley. Come, <laughs> um, I, I might not. I think <laughs> I, I might see his. I think I will feel the same way about the character as a person, like absolute sure. snooze fest. But I think I will <laughs> see like his allure or importance to a character like Buffy uh-huh. and why she would be drawn to him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably see that differently. I think it's going to make a bit more sense to me. Yes. Yeah, rather than just being, this is an angel. Um, <laughs> I think four is, is the right score. It could maybe tip back to 3.5 because there's some clunk and like there's a couple of episodes that don't work as well as others. But there mm. is so much. It's so strong fundamentally. Mm. And l- let's just, fuck it. It's our podcast. Yeah, I'm giving it a four. <laughs> it's, it's excellent. At, at a very fundamental, basic level. And, like, I had a great time with it. 12 episodes, 44 minutes each. It was a breeze. I happily watched it and would and went straight into season two. Like, what, I can't endorse any more than that. Mm. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who has enjoyed the podcast over the years to please review us on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify or whatever future streaming service exists. (laughs) Uh, We'd also love you to share Hunting Seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. We might be done, but there are 200 review episodes you're welcome, plus a bunch of off-topic, hot-topic episodes you and your loved ones can trawl through for years to come. Next week, we back one last time for a very special look back and goodbye episode. So if there is anything you would like to ask us or messages you would like to send us, you can write to us or send us an audio recording to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot prepared for this section. because <laughs> I, I just don't watched really it. Know, I know, I know. I don't really know where to start. There's, there's, we could try and like pull it apart from a, a character by character or an overarching storyline. Probably the best way to do it is just run through each episode yes. quickly and sort mm-hmm. of give our thoughts on it. Um, I, I guess we should just include the first two episodes as basically the one episode. Welcome to the mm-hmm. Hellmouth and the Harvest. It may have even aired as a feature length. It like, certainly felt like it. It certainly like it's definitely you know two parts of the same mm-hmm. um, storyline. Um, How do you feel about like the pilot for Buffy, the original, the first episode? We're introduced to Buffy. She arrives in Sunnydale as a new student mm. at Sunnydale High. She meets Willow. She meets Xander. She meets Jesse. Uh, she meets mm-hmm. Cordelia and Giles, and then. Uh, reluctantly doesn't want to be a vampire slayer, but has to be a vampire slayer because that's her, you know, fated obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd that work for you? Um, well, I, every time I watched the first episode of Buffy, I remember being in either year 11 or year 12 media and mm-hmm. my media teacher, like, would show it. Um, and, you know, just, like, talking about, like, subversion of, like, tropes and stuff and particularly that that very first sequence, yeah. right? Iconic. Um, yeah, absolutely iconic. Loved it. Especially for media uh, teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I too plan to teach it every single day. Um, yeah, no, it's it does work as a pilot. I think we start off with, yeah, this kind of horror homage, camp horror um, subversion of like expectations, all of mm-hmm. that stuff. So that's a really strong introduction. We then meet all of these characters and just, you know, Watching a show back in 1997 that introduced this new group of friends, right? So we have Buffy, sure, and she meets Xander, Willow, and Jesse. And to Mm. introduce that set of friends and then to, like, kill one of them off 
is so strong and so mm-hmm. clever, right? To immediately understand that there are, are stakes in this world. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can have like silly dialogue. And yes, it feels like a silly, fun teen show, but there are stakes here. And there are times where you need to be really concerned for the people within the story. All of it works. Um, and, you know, we mentioned that scene between Willow and Buffy where we understand, one, Willow is an absolute sweetie pie mm-hmm. and is, like, overwhelmingly concerned with, you know, others, are, you know, are they comfortable? Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Um, and Buffy going, oh, I'm actually, like, a loving, protective person and I've got you uh, is incredible. We understand Xander and both Jesse are, you know, teenage boys, absolute creeps, mm-hmm. um, don't understand boundaries, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, Xander has a wonderful, cute friendship with Willow. Mm-hmm. Cordelia is that uh, high school mean girl. And good Lord, do we get so much more from her later on? Like, Even though, oh. I've got to say, I, mm-hmm. I didn't mention Charisma Carpenter um, in my review, but she is fucking great as Cordelia as well. Like, she She's is so good. super fun. Like, she's those characters funny. can be yeah. very easy to hate, but there's something about... Mm-hmm. That's probably possibly the way she's written, but also the, the performance. Like, she is... I enjoy any time Cordelia is in a it's scene. It's also great screen. that, yes, she is a mean girl, and every time she's mean to Willow, I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> but she also, like, just calls, you know, guys like Xander and Jesse mm-hmm. out on their stuff. I mean, like... No, ill. What are you talking about? Which is which is a nice element to her as well. The show yeah. also actively makes fun of her most ridiculous traits as well. Like mm-hmm. like um yeah, like it's 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 poking fun at her. She is not just the snooty bad guy that you're meant to hate. You you have fun around Cordelia. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um so yeah, strong introduction of character, tone, and the world mm-hmm. itself. Big fan. Yeah, it's it's a perfect pilot in that regard. Um, the 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 Jesse stuff is so fun, and in my head, this is because of years of like absorbing Buffy media and stuff like that, and mm. probably listening to the commentaries and stuff like that on the DVDs. I thought he was in the opening credits oh. um, of the of the of the first episode, and. Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe because they've split the episode in half, they could be bothered redoing that. No, it never happened. It was just something that was talked about on the docu- on the uh, the audio commentaries that they wanted to do, but they couldn't have the budget for it. Like, it would have been a great play yeah. to introduce this character. They're in the opening titles. They die in the first episode. They're out of the opening titles. <laughs> like, what a great little uh, yeah. subversion, as you said, mm-hmm. much like that opening scene was. But no, they couldn't do it. But in my head, I was like, oh, that happens. Yeah. Um, uh, what I was going to say. Oh, the 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 other thing I like as well when we get to the second half of this. No, actually, the end of the first half, I think it is, is how Buffy is directly tied to Willow's peril in the episode first episode where she's like, she, Buffy's like, you need to get out there. You just need to like, mm-hmm. you know, put yourself yeah. out there more, be more confident or whatever. And like, so Willow goes and does that when a guy approaches her and then mm-hmm. Buffy's immediately put her in danger and needs to save yes. her. I was like, so Buffy cannot sit back and just not take responsibility, she has to save this person that she's sort of encouraged to do something dangerous here. I love that in terms of just pulling Buffy into this. Her yeah. responsibility Which is inescapable. Like, yeah. It's it's a perfect Buffy moment because, like, that kind of – that is echoed throughout the show and it's always mm-hmm. done really, really well is, like, Buffy really doesn't want to do this. Like, she really, truly doesn't want to do it. But because of her um, connections to other 
others and her feeling of responsibility for others, she always just has to. And therefore you just love her every time because you know how much she's just like, I just want to like, I don't know, make out with a boy. That's all I want to do. <laughs> exactly. I want to hang out with my friends. Yes. Um, but when the chips are down, I will never let anyone else be hurt. Yeah, it's I love the show. Skipping ahead to what I've been watching of season two so far, that's been really strong at the start of this season as well, is just the fight to just have a normal life. And there's there's a couple episodes in here that are mm. very much like that as well. But yeah, it's like, it's just this constant battle for her. Um, the two things that happen to Xander that really, really throw him under the bus as a character. Mm-hmm. Number one... He gets over Je- Jesse dying. Apparently, one of his closest friends. <laughs> the fact they never mention quick. him again is <laughs> insane. Never be- yeah, and this um, show's really good at like remembering the history and why certain things are important and bringing things back that like happened, mm. you know, three or four seasons earlier. Being like, oh my gosh, yes, they are real people. That have these experiences? They have lived through them. They haven't forgotten them, except for Jesse. <laughs> yeah. So, a <laughs> little bit of Buffy trivia again. Mm. Slight spoilers, but not really spoilers for future seasons of Buffy. There is one episode, only one episode of the show that mm-hmm. Xander is not in. The mm-hmm. only two characters in every episode are Willow and Buffy. Xander's missing from one, an episode called Talking with Dead People. It's uh, a yeah. season seven mm-hmm. episode. Um, apparently, he was meant to be talking with somebody, a dead person in that, which is uh, what the episode's about. Yeah. It was meant to be Jesse, but for some reason, like, that didn't work out. And I was like, that would have been fucking cool. Damn. Yeah, there's a couple of... Okay, that's interesting. And the other, mm. the other missed opportunity in that episode because of... Was it scheduling or whatever it was? But it was meant to be a character that yes. meant a lot to me. Well, it's meant funny. To be in that episode, without going but, into that specifically, mm. obviously, that's a big, big, big spoiler. Yeah. Um, scheduling, I think, was always... Con- Talked about. I do wonder now, with with if hindsight, come back. whether there was maybe resilience to coming back. They did. That person did not want to return, um, which is for other reasons. Valid. Just a thought. Just <laughs> a thought. Criti- not going to criticize that, but it's always I, I like th- a miss opportunity whenever I watch that episode because yeah. I know that was the intention. It, well, it anyway. would have ruined you. Um, I That's think. True. <laughs> I think there was also about five years back or something like that was a Buffy reunion, which by Mm. which I mean, it wasn't like the COVID reunions where everyone was getting together and reading scripts. It was like, I think it was the EW or someone like that magazine that got everyone together and did a photo Mm. shoot. But notably, they didn't all do the photo shoot together. Mm. Like it was done in bits and pieces and then like photoshopped together later. And it's like, yeah, mm, yeah. these tensions existed for a long, long time and mm-hmm. it, it got complicated behind the scenes. The other bit about Xander in the, in the pilot episode that stood out to me this time around watching it was when Buffy, I think at very early in the episode, drops her books on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Xander comes running from the other side of the hallway to <laughs> to force a meet cute was like one of the most <laughs> Xander moments ever. But also like fuck, you're an, you're a creep. What is wrong he with is, you? He is absolutely a creep, um, which is why I think he's you know probably the most accurate depiction of a teenager. Just being like, I will have this romance. I will have it. Um, but that then ends up bringing up like one of my favorite lines of that episode and there's a lot of them but when mm-hmm. he returns her steak and he's like the only thing i could fi- like assume is that you're making a tiny fence <laughs> which is just great it's a great line another thing i also noticed about buffy though she like dr- has hit like you know gets a shoulder bump and drops her books like three times this season it's like fucking isn't she the slayer super strong great balance <laughs> like why does she keep like having these little meet cute dropping <laughs> book true. moments very weird yeah um uh, mm, yes yeah 
That's, that's a great point that I never <laughs> thought about. But I should have, I realized now looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, is that I should have been like shoulder checking girls I had crushes on <laughs> throughout high school, just hoping yeah. to pick up their books. Going to learn one thing from watching rom-coms and Buffy, yeah. Uh, episode three, which, uh, hi, Amy. Uh, we'll I know, I could I was like, when I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Amy. I didn't realize she was in there so early. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of characters actually I was surprised were in there as early as they were. Mm. Uh, and again, skipping ahead to season two, there's a character that I knew was in the show for a bit, becomes very important later on. I was like, oh, it's that person. Mm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very strong, I think this is why it was probably their episode two, technically, mm-hmm. if you consider the first two the pilot, like- this sets the tone for what a weekly episode of Buffy is. This is a yes. strong high school is hell like episode. Um, uh, the theme being the parents who are living vicariously through their kids metaphor. And like, yes, it's it, I, I don't have I never have a lot of thoughts about this episode. It just plays out really strong. Um, it's like the first adventure that Buffy and Xander and Willow have together and with Giles outside of their, their, the vampires in episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thought I had about this episode, it's not the last time we'll see someone dancing and bursting into flames on this show. Um, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> it's a real motif. Mm. It come, yeah, it comes back. Um, I don't know. Did you have any particular thoughts about which? Aside from it just being super strong, I thought. It was really strong. I think that is um, the biggest takeaway. Like, Amy is this new character um, within the group, within the world. So, we understand that she's probably going to be central to what's happening. No, no. Anytime, anytime a character gets introduced that you've never seen before, a student or a teacher, you're like, huh, something awful is going to happen to you. That's a shame. <laughs> you're either going to die or you're a bad guy. Um, <laughs> this is absolutely true. And that I'm not... I'm okay with that. Nothing wrong with that. That's the way the show works. But what I enjoyed was, because I hadn't watched this episode in so long. So, when Buffy and Giles go to Amy's house and are talking to her mum and she sees the brownies, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot we learn later on about Amy and who Amy Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Um, She sees the brownies and then Buffy goes, oh my gosh, you're Amy. I went, I feel like I, I didn't. Oh, you've forgotten. <laughs> I've forgotten that like they had swapped bodies and I was yeah. like oh, I was like, what a twist. You got me again. Um so I, I just yeah, it was a solid episode. I was engaged. The character of Amy is really sweet and lovely. The ending is like horrifying. Those eyes on the statue made me laugh. Yes. But I was like, yes. great ending. I remember that I knew that was coming. I yeah. was like, it looks awful, but still great. <laughs> it's so good. Um yeah, no, solid episode. Really enjoyed. I immediately texted Paul after watching that episode. Paul, the Swapcast podcast, was like, there's mm-hmm. another sw- body swap episode of Buffy. It's episode three. It's oh, really yes. early on. Mm. Uh, so, you can review that. Uh, episode four, Teacher's Bet, Pet. Our core cast, uh, the mm-hmm. main three, not including Giles, each have a dating episode this season. This is yes. Xander's dating episode. Um, another, I, I wouldn't say it's a strong high school is hell episode because it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a universal experience, I don't think. But yep. the older lady preying on the young boy <laughs> motif is strong in this one, for sure. Yeah, certainly is. I mean, gosh, we really... And even until very recently, um, adults really enjoy writing a story in which a teenager is falling in love with an adult, mm-hmm. um, a sexual predator. I mean, Dawson's Creek first season also mm-hmm. has this storyline. It's very strong. It's really fucked up. Um, 
you know, I was obsessed with Pretty Little Liars back in the day. That goes throughout that series run and it is the central and one of the, if not the most important romance of the show, a teacher with a student. Gross, disgusting. Um, so whenever I see this, I'm like, why? Yes, things were different, but surely it was always wrong for teachers to either be pursuing or seduced by students. So -hmm. that's always a shocking thing to see. Um, But beyond that, we also... We can't pretend the show was condoning it. Like, (laughs) this is true. She's a dry praying mantis who eats her prey alive. (laughs) I think the show has a fairly strong perspective on whether this is good (laughs) or bad. (laughs) I assume they were in love. Um, Yes, absolutely. Yes, this show is different in that respect. Like, Dawson's (laughs) Creek is very much like, oh, it's a valid romance. It's just like you know, star-crossed lovers tragedy type thing, which is should never be the vibe. Buffy does very much say, like, this woman is literally a predator. Um, <laughs> we also get, uh, you know, early signs of Xander's terribleness in which he is talking to Buffy, who is mm. warning him that this woman mm-hmm. is dangerous and a bug. I believe she says the word bug like 15 times and he's not getting it. Um, and he says some really terrible, selfish things to her being like well you're you know throw his friends under the bus so fucking quickly (laughs) so quickly and it's just so full of like vitriol of like um well you're not fucking me so you're a bitch it's like whoa bro yeah yeah, Um, the incel energy coming off xander is super strong that steam heat of incel (laughs) energy absolutely yeah so that's always like shocking to see but i'm like there's the xander i know and hate there he is again um but yeah, and that will come back time and time again. <laughs> it really P- will. Particularly, yeah. there is a scene later on in the show that I refuse to forgive Xander for, in which he ugh, absolutely throws Buffy under the bus. Oh, God. I really want to review the entire show now because there's so much I have to say. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll do... We'll, we'll, we'll say A few little things I enjoyed about this episode. In terms, I think it's just a great example of like the Buffy cares... About people stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, she the, the start of the episode. She's in that. I think it's a biology lesson, and Doctor Gregory or oh, Professor Gregory or Teacher Gregory, whatever. And so like, sad. he seems like he's like he's obviously. I like the way he's written too. He is like sort of like a heart. He's like a strict but fair teacher. Like he expects yep. more from Buffy, but he's encouraging to her and gives her you know a fair shot and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like pumps her up to try and get her to be better and Buffy responds like she respects that and so when he dies she is visibly fucking upset this guy she spent one scene with and I care because she cares about that and that's all got to do with Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance Mm -hmm. it's so strong and like and that comes back that episode absolutely like her and this is a character we've like seen in one scene and you are heartbroken but they also do it sorry you go on if you're I was gonna say because it works on two ways because the scene establishes his character and yes. why she respects him so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then her emotional reaction seems so genuine and real. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't help but remember that teacher that you respected yes. in school or whatever, and True, you would have yeah. a similar reaction. I think it's just, it's just the execution of that is so strong and so simple. It's like, brother. Yeah. I think like, and going backwards to uh, which is, you know, that's another great example of we see Buffy's capacity to care for others. Like, yes, absolutely. she wants to be a cheerleader as well and is like meeting this girl for the first time who's like really going through it and has like received a lot of like negative messaging um, mm-hmm. from her mum. And 
Buffy in like the smallest of ways just tries to be like, you'll be fine. Like, and when it doesn't work out, you'll be fine. Like, this is not like, you don't have to um, follow that path. If you really don't want to, you're great, whatever. Um, yeah, she's, she's really sweet with Amy and that means a lot. Do you, uh, something just occurred to me as well. I think like uh, Buffy, every episode basically has to sort of uncover the mystery, right? There's some amount of detective work going on and sometimes it's a little more pat than others. But one of the reasons that makes her good at that job is that she mm. genuinely listens and pays attention to the people yes. around her. Like the the brownies thing is the perfect example, yes. right? Willow tells this little tidbit. She used to come over and we used to gorge on brownies, right? Mm-hmm. Later on, Amy's upset she didn't make the cut. She's like, how about we just have a brownie bed, like, binge at my place? And Amy's like, ew, no, can't do that. Which is weird because obviously that was something mm. Willow told her was important. Then she sees the brownies and twigs. Ah, that's Amy, really. And it's like, yeah. but that doesn't come from her being like a master detective. It just becomes because she pays fucking attention mm-hmm. to people, yeah. which makes her great. Um, little detail in, Z- in Teacher's Pet That I Loved. Just, a, just the campiness moment of it. There's a scene, I think it's the scene where uh, the teacher asks Xander to come by her house that night and he leaves the room and then she like opens up two pieces of bread and like dumps Ugh. some bugs onto it and then just like eats a sand. But like, why put it in bread? Why, why-, <laughs> <laughs> why, not, just, why not just eat the bugs? Why have to be a bug sandwich? I just thought that was hilarious. Um, why put a meatball in bread? You know what I mean? It's like, Fair. just because she's a bug doesn't mean like she doesn't understand the importance and wonder of bread. It's great. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, also, I thought the most... And I, I wasn't sure whether the show understood this or not, but just how rich it is, because we don't know this about Angel yet. We don't. Mm-hmm. You're not meant to know he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole episode is, like, the dangers of, like, the older, uh, the adult, like, preying on the young. Yeah. And, like, the the episode ends with, like, an Angel and Buffy. I was like, this guy's 250 fucking years old. <laughs> what the fuck is you talking about? <laughs> this is <isn't> cool. Yeah. <laughs> disgusting. Uh, episode five, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Mm. This is the Buffy dating episode. Yeah. In which Buffy just wants to be a normal kid and uh, wants to date a normal guy, but has mm-hmm. to deal with the uh, the anointed one prophecy, the damn Slayer pr- uh, prophecies and um, mm-hmm. her responsibilities as the chosen one come to rear their ugly head. Um, I thought it was a great Buffy-centered episode. It very much is focused on that theme that runs through the whole thing, which is like trying to... Uh, balance her real high school life and her Slayer life. Um, but I don't know if I had a lot more to say about than that. I just, I did like I, the episode. Yeah, I did too in terms of like what it means for Buffy and once again, like sacrificing and the safety of others. Uh, Particularly that last scene between yeah, her that and last Giles scene was wonderful. Is great. Yeah. What I do need to say though is that in watching it, it's so funny. The character of Owen is played specifically to be this kind of like lovely guy who's like you know deep and insightful and just like very very interested in getting to know Buffy every single thing that character says to Buffy now if it was written now would be a huge insult and a fucking massive red flag he is so insulting to her intelligence in almost every single scene um He's very, like, all he does is, like, talk about his interests. Mm -hmm. I also found it hilarious when he's talking about Emily Dickinson being kind of a recluse and lonely. And we now know that she was absolutely banging her friend Sue every other day. Um, But this guy is a wanker. Yes. Um, He is 
he like doesn't know anything about her. He's like projecting all this stuff on her. He's like, ladies and gents and NBs out there, if anyone speaks to you the way that this character Owen speaks to Buffy, run in the other direction. They are a pseudo intellectual douchebag. That's what I have to say about that. Well, his whole thing is like, I know he's deep about like death and stuff like that. And so like he gets excited by the idea of going to the crematorium. But he's like a fucking liability. Like it's I think it, it what makes that strong is that uh you can sort of see the appeal. Oh, absolutely. I, I get the appeal. But you can also a hundred percent at the end of the episode, this is not gonna work both it she's he's just not a good match for Buffy, and this is a great example of why Buffy's dating life will never be normal. Um mm-hmm. it's just not gonna work out that she can date normies yeah. um in any regard. But yeah, yeah, he's He's not cool. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> we at don't all. like him. Um, episode six, the pack. Uh, mm-hmm. Xander and four bullies get possessed by the spirits of hyenas, or just by hyenas. Mm-hmm. Um, in my mind, this is one of the episodes that I remembered being a bit cringy or something. I don't know. I was I was really worried about this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does have some weird moments. There's a really long, like slow motion oh, scene yeah, of you the and i watched walking. this together and we yeah. we first we started laughing at how long the scene was where they're doing the cool slow-mo war yeah 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 we started laughing and then it went for another three minutes i want to say like it <laughs> was just going and going it was bizarre. like they had like we don't quite have enough to make 44 yeah. minutes so we'll just put this two minute slow-mo walk in <laughs> i mean that's what i used to do when i would make song. like fem slash fan videos like <laughs> yeah, if i yeah. really want to stretch out the this i don't know disgusting song i was playing over images of naomi and emily on skins so much slow-mo so much Mm slow-mo um so it's nice to see where i got that from um but i overall i think i really enjoyed the episode actually i think it's a strong high school as hell episode xander Mm -hmm. falls in with the wrong crowd becomes one of them you know the bullies and the mean guys um and like you wonder how much this is Xander's true nature, really. The um, he says to Willow. Oh, I, my oh, God. I cannot. It, you, you said this to me at the time we were watching it. You were mm-hmm. like, fuck, if I was Buffy when I saw him, was he? It's yes. like, I don't, I'm, I'm quitting like math or whatever, so I don't ever need to see you or your pasty yeah. face ever again, then laughs in her face. Yes. And like, Buffy should have like socked him in the fucking Buffy nose. Sees it. She moment. like should have ripped his head off and been like, <laughs> no, like you just can't speak to Willow that way. No. Um, yeah, if, that's why I could never be the Slayer because my like righteous rage would <laughs> people would be dead everywhere. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be good. Um, but yeah, I, I liked that episode, and I uh, while it's a dorky premise, it, it sort of works in that regard. It's also <laughs> kind of disturbing to think about. Like, yes, these bullies are like. <sighs> You know, dehumanized pretty quickly as being the worst, but they ate, and Xander was one of these ate a pig alive. Disgusting. And then I couldn't not- like that was so upsetting. That cute thing, and they chose the cutest little pig. Yeah, the cutest little pig, yeah, and then they piggy. eat it. It's Got so eaten. upsetting. And then the bullies, but not Xander, uh, end up eating the principal alive. Oh. What the fuck, show? <laughs> And I love they had to like reiterate that at the end that Xander did not did eat not, the human. He did ate not the pig. Eat the person. Did not eat the person. But what you need to like think about, right, is that at the end of the episode we find out that Xander is pretending to not remember what he did, including oh. when he tried to sexually assault Buffy as well. We might put that out there. Um mm-hmm. but the 
then Giles is like, I didn't say anything about you having memory loss. And he's, and, and Xander is obviously extremely ashamed of his behavior in that last moment. Mm-hmm. But then let's remember that four other people do remember eating a principal alive. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I just like, yeah, absolutely. They're destroyed forever. <laughs> um, but like, I remember when we were watching that scene where, you know, we find out that Xander is pretending to not remember. Mm. Um, and he's like asking the, his two friends he's like oh did, like i didn't say or do anything too crazy did i and they're like no no it's okay um it's insane to remember saying the most horrible damaging things to willow and trying to sexually assault buffy and the reaction is not to like his reaction is to pretend it didn't happen as opposed to oh my goodness i'm so sorry that i did and said those things that's not how i feel you are very important to me and i'm deeply ashamed of it and just like just apologize yeah and so they have to go off and like deal with the ramifications yep. of his actions anyway once again Xander's xander the, the xander i love to hate uh rears his ugly head yeah i'm getting i'm getting to a point in season two i'm really looking i'm i'm happy about where uh, a love interest is being reintroduced for Willow. I'm like, thank mm-hmm. fucking God. She can finally yeah. get over fucking Xander for a while. The worst. Um, just deserves better than this piece of shit that she pines over and just just does not give a shit about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on that episode particularly? Oh, something that also came up watching the, the unaired pilot. Stephen Tobolowski originally played in the unaired pilot, mm. played the principal, the original principal. I can um, see that. Yeah, I, I, I was I had the, the guy that was playing in the show, I don't know the actor's name, had a very Stephen Tobolowski yes. vibe, and I was like, yeah, that, that made sense. Uh, episode 7, Angel. This is Angel's backstory episode. So we mm-hmm. find out that uh, he's a vampire with a soul. Um, <gasps> oh there's some insanity in this episode. Dala, uh, sh- you know, with two handguns shooting at Buffy. <laughs> she was when such a weird thing. When she pulled out those guns, I was like, oh my gosh, there's guns in Buffy. And obviously, like, we see c- guns in, like, season four and stuff. Stuff. Especially season but four. It, yeah, but it's just like not really something you see very often. Just seeing no. a vampire with a gun is pretty funny. <laughs> it was really it funny. Really and just like me. the way yeah. that Julie Bench oh, is like yeah, there's holding no, those two pistols no training. as well. <laughs> there's no training at all. She had no idea how to hold them. It was great. Uh, I do love Dala, though. Um, Me too. Uh, yeah, we get more Dala. Dala, Dala, Dala appears later on in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, I, I tell you what, though. I don't... Buffy forgave Angel real quick. I know that Dala framed him, mm-hmm. but he did seem very tempted to munch on Joyce. And, like, even just thinking about it probably should mean, you know, yeah. he's if a no-go zone. love interest is even slightly tempted to kill your mum, probably <laughs> yeah. don't just invest in that relationship Even further. just a little bit. Just, like, mm, just a little nibble. I That's could. probably a chance to say, yeah, yeah no, nah, this isn't going to work. Red flag. Mm-hmm. Red flag. Did yeah, you have any other yeah. thoughts on the episode? Um, I had forgotten in season it, one that Buffy didn't... It took so long for Buffy to find out that Angel was a vampire. For whatever reason, sure. I thought it happened almost like in episode one when they meet in the alley. Um, and then he like... In my memory, it was like he proved himself to be like a good vampire. And that just that's not what happens in season one at all. Mm-hmm. We don't know that he's um, a vampire. Um, we just think he's some guy who's helping out or whatever. Maybe like, you know, a Van Helsing or something in the background. But then we find out he's oh, he's fanged up. Um, yeah, it, it well, was good. Know. Love some Dala. You know, the, the vampire with a soul. Tragic. Love it. Why not? 
What's the... I've forgotten the name of it, thank God. What's the, the book series that got turned into a movie series um, that was about falling in love with a vampire? Twilight? Fucking Twilight, thank you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. it's... Yeah, it's like... Well, you know, it's like Twilight. You can't know straight away they're a vampire. It has to be this revealed as things go on. You get... Say you it. Know, you, Say it. Yeah. Um, that's a line from Twilight. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're the in the woods. Once? Um, okay. And he wants her to say that he is a vampire. The Twilight uh-huh. started as Buffy fan fiction. So well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Just for those <laughs> at home that didn't know. I told someone oh, sorry, that recently sorry. as like, you know, the, the, the trickle down economics of fan fiction, which is <laughs> Buffy to Twilight, Twilight to Fifty Shades of Grey. You know what I mean? Yes. Just an endless circle until we finally come back to, I don't know, maybe something good. As, as good as Buffy. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's even like... It's uh, her name's what Bella instead of Buffy, right? It's like a B vowel, two letters, yeah, a pseudo vowel and a vowel. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't even really trying with the renaming with no. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the I I did think about that too. If this was released today, after episode one, Reddit would already have figured out that Angel was a vampire. Was like somehow a good vampire. Do you know what I yes. mean? Like it wasn't subtle. You know, he's there at night. Yeah. He disappears in the shadows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I wonder how much of a shock it really was to us in 1997. <laughs> Probably was. Yeah. Uh, episode eight. I robot you, Jane. This is Willow's dating episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a, a good high school is hell episode. This is the perils mm-hmm. of online dating in the oh late 90s. <laughs> Jeez, weren't we just flooded with that narrative? Which is true. It was absolutely accurate. It was It was totally. the wild, wild west. Um, it I was catfishing remember. before catfishing too. I it's, it's uh, the first episode of like Degrassi where Emma is like also, or maybe not the first, no, the first episode is the period episode. But in season one of Degrassi, Emma um, meets a creep online as well. Like this story was like constantly being told and it's an important mm-hmm. message particularly for people um, of our generation who really had no idea what we were even navigating at all. Um, but, yeah, it was, oh, poor Willow. Poor Willow. Poor and Willow. That, and that's, that comes down to Alison Hannigan, though. But, like, yeah. like, this is the difference between a Xander being, I mean, the characters, obviously, but Xander mm. being hit on by a teacher and being all like, fuck you, Buffy, you don't want to have sex with me. Mm-hmm. And Willow, who... You know, why can't I have a boyfriend? Fucking Xander yeah. never pays attention to me. This guy wants to date me. Um, but I love I love the bit when she meets Malcolm mm-hmm. and she's like, this is giant, like, eight-foot-tall metal <laughs> demon standing in front of her saying that he loves her. And she's like, but you lied to me. It's like, it's a fucking demon, mate. Like, why is that the thing that you hung up on? <laughs> well, yeah, why are we focusing on that, uh, Willow? There's, there's other things. Like, yeah, as, as we were watching, I remember being there. I'm like, if... Um, <laughs> If I found out that someone I was talking to, um, someone I, who slid into my DMs and we met up <laughs> and they were a giant metal creature, I wouldn't be hurt they had lied to me. Yeah. I'd be horrified <laughs> that I was about to get my head ripped off and the world yeah. was ending. Um, but, you know, we all have our different priorities and that's okay. Uh, we are introduced to Ms. Calendar for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, a do. bit of a... Giles' romantic interest. Yeah. Um, oh, what what you call a techno pagan? A techno pagan. What a me concept. Laugh so much. It's such so. It's nonsense. That's what does that mean? That it's absolute nonsense. I loved it. That just all of the stuff around like discussing the internet and yes. it's 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 not inaccurate. It's just because it's so in its infancy is what's so fun to watch about, mm-hmm. like that discussing about like how more web pages were accessed, that, or no, more emails were sent than snail mail this year or whatever mm-hmm. it was. It's like, yeah. wow, that was 
that was yeah. a time when we were like transitioning from like you and I are what currently talking to each other three hours away over a video call, mm-hmm. <laughs> recording and a I podcast. And I can actually see your face upload. and it's not three pixels. Yeah. Yeah. But then we, uh, when we record this upload to the internet and people listen to us as they're off their phones while they're driving in their cars and on mm-hmm. the, like, fucking hell technology is. Just to think about, like, Buffy talking about, like, techno stuff with the, the guy at the computer. Oh, man. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a wild time to think it's about. It's a nice little flashback. That. It I quite really, enjoy really it. Is. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. Um, I also love the little, the little moment at the end of this episode. It's, it's a really good example of when, like, Buffy gets character comedy right, when the three of them are sitting down, Xander, Willow and Buffy, and they're talking about, like, you know, I can never have a dating... Uh, I'm interested in a vampire. I dated a, a praying mantis. I dated this, you know, demon as well or whatever. We can never have a normal dating life. Ha, 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 ha. And then, like, the look on their face, just the hold on them, just, like, the realisation their dating lives are doomed forever and they just cut to credits without any music or anything. It's very good. It was a perfect little moment, that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about the episode you want to talk about particularly? I don't think so. Just Buffy. Buffy being great. Little yep. investigative investigator again um episode nine the puppet show mystery demon killing students for hearts and brains they think it's the dummy turns out he's a demon hunter i i've watched this twice this episode Mm. very little of it sticks with me this to me is the weakest episode of the season i agree yeah as because we watched this one together as well and yeah we remembered hearing or even thinking at the time that the pack was probably the weakest link yes um but we both kind of you know, rather enjoyed that episode. And then we were watching the puppet show and I was like, uh, this doesn't feel as up to snuff as the rest. I think this is certainly the weakest episode. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just simply less engaging. I think there's no strong connection to like uh, yeah. one of our core characters, nor is there like, say, say with like the witch, a strong connection to like a student or someone like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. there's no real anchor in that. I, I guess it's meant to be... Sid the dummy, but it's introduced too late that he's actually... We don't start talking to him properly, openly, until late in the episode. And then this concept of him being a demon hunter is kind of, I don't know, empty and innocuous. There's one conversation between him and Buffy. What? What's happening? Um, Yeah, that realisation came far too late. Because if we had learned like maybe like halfway or three quarters of the episode through and like, I don't know, Buffy is like teaming up with a puppet yes, could have been quite yes. fun and silly. Yeah. It, it didn't need to be subvert it need to like get to that subversive twist in like the at the end of the first act rather than as late as it comes mm-hmm. in the episode, I think. Because yeah. it just didn't give enough time to really do much of it. Because even then, I think like Buffy and, and the Demon Hunter have this kind of heart to heart about like their responsibilities or whatever. They're singing the rafters. And then mm. Sid disappears for another like ten minutes of the episode until he just comes back right at the end. We don't really know what happened to him or where he went. I don't, rem- don't remember. Maybe I wasn't paying enough attention. And then he dies because he fulfills his, like, last thing. It's over. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Episode 10, Nightmares. Mm. Everyone's dreams become reality. Um, I've got a theory. Some kid is dreaming and we're all stuck inside his wacky uh, Broadway nightmare. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, 
I, this was like one of those examples where they introduced Wendell, the character in the classroom. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Cordelia's like, Wendell's in Cordelia's life. I'm like, I'm sorry, Wendell, for whatever's about to happen to R. you. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> quite die, but had a bad time. Yeah. Uh, fun episode, fun concept. I think what I like most about this episode, it's not necessarily specific about one of our characters. It's like all of them. We're getting a little bit mm-hmm. of insight into like what their anxieties are, what makes them tick. Um. But I think it's also there's going to be at least one nightmare in there that you're going to relate to. Like mine yeah. is Willow's, the her nightmare about um, being thrust on stage and not knowing the words to the song she's meant to sing mm-hmm. was the same anxiety dream I had the night before the opening night of every show I ever did through high school. Like I yeah. always had that dream of like there's this scene that I just we never rehearsed and everyone else knows the lines but I don't. Yeah, like, I always had that dream. What's um, wild to me is um, we see Buffy's dad, yes. which I had no memory of, and he plays pretty much no part in the show moving forward from what I can remember. Basically nothing, yeah. It's um, um, it's a non-event almost. Yeah, so seeing him, I'm like, whoa, I don't this, I don't like this. I don't like seeing him. Um, obviously, it's, a, you know, a relatable fear of many mm. teenagers. Is and Sam Michelle is fucking awesome in that scene where he really. Like, Oh, it's like she feels like, or he's telling her that she's the reason they, they got divorced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that part of it is great, but it very much felt to me. I was like, oh, yes, this is season one. This is mm-hmm. the beginning before they've worked out like all the dynamics and stuff because Buffy's relationship with Joyce is so important. Yeah. Um, to have this other factor in it, I was like, no, I don't like it. But for what it was, um, it, it worked. Yeah. It's what well, we also spend. I'm trying to remember. There's talk about Willow and Xander's parents. There's one time where mm. Willow, I think in the um the 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 um what do you call it the online dating episode with Willow, she goes home and then the doorbell rings and um one of the nerdy guys is there or whatever, mm. um and like she's like oh dad you forgot your keys again or something like that right so there's like they're talking about their parents. Do we ever meet Willow's? Parents? Do we ever meet no, Xander's no, parents? No. Um, I don't think so. I think the thing is we, we hear Xander's parents quite a lot, like them fighting and stuff. Oh, right, yeah. Um, like upstairs. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there's even a line where – I th- believe they mention even in this <laughs> season that we like even Xander or Willow rarely sees Xander's parents yeah. or family because that's why he's always at Willow's house. But, yeah, no, that it's, it's parents other than Joyce – um, Joyce is the factor. one parent, like yeah. throughout the entire show, basically that has any significance in these teenagers' lives. Mm-hmm. Is um, I think it makes sense. It Which just feels like an for oddity. Teenagers, like we, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. And also, do we really care enough? Do we yeah. need to add these characters in? Because you see that too sometimes in shows when you start to include the parents in these things. When the stakes get big, I think shows feel like they have to include them somehow mm-hmm. as well. Um. And I just don't, we don't need it. We've got, yeah. we need, leave room for the people we really care yeah. about to have their moment. And I think, like, um, it makes sense in terms of, like, what this show wants to be about, which is, like, mm-hmm. how what, the nightmare of high school and all of those nightmarish aspects that you are experiencing in real life, you absolutely hide from your parents. Um, so, to include True. them, I think, confuses the message. Uh, any other thoughts on nightmares? I don't think so. Uh, episode 11, Out of Mind, Out of Sight, another high school is hell episode. The mm-hmm. dangers of uh, sort of feeling socially invisible. 
Mm-hmm. Um, is it Claire Duval in this episode? Why is that who it is? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, I really like this episode, actually. I think it's um, like the the flashbacks and stuff to that. Mm. I can't remember the character's name. Maybe that's says something about me. Um, like the way she's ignored, the turning invisible stuff, the psychosis she goes through. Mm. The, the the focus on Cordelia, I think I really enjoyed this episode too. Like sort of pulling Cordelia into the Scooby gang a little yep. bit was um, was fun this episode. I particularly, particularly enjoyed how this episode ended. It's one of the more out there... Like, it's, there's the abrupt bit where the agents just sort of show up and say, hey, you know, we'll take care of her sort of thing. But then the final stinger with, like, the agents leading in this girl that you can't see into this room full of kids that we can't see and mm-hmm. sits down to look at, like, learning how to become, like, an assassin for the government oh, yeah. is, like, a gr- <laughs> is such an out there idea. And just, like, the yeah. cool that you hear yeah. is she's like, oh, I could get into this. <laughs> it's such a great little thing. I, I can't remember. Maybe the, the, somehow this comes back in future seasons. I don't think I it don't, does. I don't think it does. Even, um, even for an episode... Excuse I mean, me. it, it might be happening in the background, but they're invisible, so <laughs> we haven't noticed. That would be amazing, actually. <laughs> Just like all these assassinations <laughs> happening in the newspaper. <laughs> Can we trace back to yeah, Every time Giles is reading the paper, yeah, it's just always <laughs> about an assassination. Oh, I, wish, cool. I wish that were true. I really wish that were true. But um, it was yeah, just... It was- it- just you can throw that in there and go, this world is like, goes way bigger. past what's happening at Sunnydale. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was fun. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, the, as you were saying, the folding in of Cordelia mm. is really good. Um, as we know, she becomes a much larger part of the show moving forward. Um, and it's like a nice step for that moment we then get of her in the final episode, Prophecy Girl, um, in which I actually screened when she appears in the car. I went, Cordelia! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's any time we get to spend with Cordelia, I'm happy because she's a pretty important character to me. She is, uh, looking ahead to season two, just a little mm. bit. I mean, even in season one, Charisma Carpenter is like mainline. She's got a credit in the opening. Yeah. She does in season two. David Boreanaz also has one. Mm-hmm. As much as I've watched of season two, Cordelia's basically in every episode and... Angel's barely in any episode. Mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. the way I'm she's glad like- she's getting. I'm glad. Well, yeah. I'm like, why is he even getting billing in this? Um, but she deserves it. She's she's great. Um, okay, let's get to episode twelve then. The fi- finale of the season. Mm. I imagine. I get the feeling they probably knew they were going to get picked up pretty quickly. Mm. But let's like any season one, you never know. Yeah, Prophecy Girl could always be the final the end. episode, yeah. the end, right? So it's got to be both a finale to the season, but potentially a finale to the show. Um, how do you feel about Prophecy Girl? Yeah, I mean, it's it goes back to like obviously the line I was referring to takes mm-hmm. place in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, it's a lot in here that I really love, and so so good. I'll, I'll, like. The first one is, obviously, we have had this, like, underlying story that Xander has a crush on his friend Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and has he been subtle about it? No. Is Buffy aware of it? Maybe slightly, but mostly not. Um, Surely. She's, Surely uh, she's not that. I like to think she's, she's actively that um, ignoring it. I think so. Uh, <laughs> she's putting up with him. Yeah. I mean, he gave her a bracelet, whatever. Um, yeah. So, when he finally gets, like, the gumption to tell her and she just says like I just don't 
see you that way and mm-hmm. he has his little I, I do appreciate he has like his little like hissy fit um but then he's like I'm sorry I just don't take rejection well and like that's a very relatable thing like it's mm-hmm. really hard I think as an adult it's much much easier to do and we should all be able to do it now is to receive rejection and hold space for that person to have their own feelings yeah. um, like the person that is rejecting us being like well valid great but as a teenager to be like you know, it's up. He's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm happy to wait, and I believe he says some disparaging things about Angel or whatever it is, yeah. um, and then quickly realizes that he is actually talking to his friend and just needs to acknowledge yeah. it. Like, oh, like I'm actually hurt, and I probably just need to go now. He's not really. I mean, he's petty about Angel, sure. Like yeah. he feels like you know he's competing with this guy or whatever. Yeah. Um. He's not. He's not disparaging to Buffy though, which, like, obviously that's a very very low bar to to get over but it's like yeah. we've seen how he can behave at, mm. with his worst impulses sometimes yeah so he's but I not think that like at in, least which is good i will say though but i think in in terms of like in being disparaging towards angel is actually insulting buffy because it's about like she can't her trust her own judgment or yeah, her yeah, own yeah, taste yeah. or whatever it is yeah, yeah. um you know it, it is so that she questions her own taste is yeah. the motivation there yeah. um but you know, I also enjoyed and he's like dealing with that rejection and what I found interesting um, was Willow comes to see him and is, you know, asking how it went, didn't go well. He asks her or assumes that she will go to the spring fling with him and she's like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be with someone who is thinking yeah. about wanting to be with someone else. And she walks out hurt and he's upset at himself. He's like, oh gosh, I just, I can't win today or whatever. And then later on, we see him listening to country music. I was like, bro, like pick up the phone and talk to Willow because you've upset her. Like, yes, your feelings are hurt. But like, actually, Willow is the one hurt in that situation. And he's apparently still not getting exactly why she's hurt by that, which was shocking to me. But teenage boy, I suppose it makes sense. So I think think it's the same way Mm. that... Buffy, Buffy does or doesn't know, yeah. you <laughs> yeah. know, about Xander. Xander does or doesn't know. Doesn't he fucking know. knows. He's just not interested. He likes the attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, right. Totally. So, it's like we've got this kind of like what feels like very high stakes um, social teen drama in this episode, which work is working on in all facets um, for me. I'm totally invested in that and heartbroken and annoyed and all the things I'm meant to be feeling. And then it's, you know, in this episode, we also have Buffy finds out that she is prophesized to die mm. and the emotional stakes of that um, and the culmination of this kind of overarching story that we've seen slowly play out throughout the season is also happening um, and it's all contained in one episode. And I enjoyed that part of it as well, particularly um, Buffy's journey through that and accepting her fate. Yeah, the... Uh, 100% agree with all that. It's like, it's a great uh, emotional climax for the more interpersonal relationship storylines. It's a great climax on the overarching responsibility of being a 16-year-old girl who has mm-hmm. to save the fucking world. Um, and the I love the, like, the irony that if she hadn't gone down, you know, yeah. that he wouldn't have been able to get out. But at the same time... Because she has been able to form a close connection with people like Xander and Willow, mm. uh, she yes, she dies, but she comes back and she's able to defeat this guy once and for all. He's not just going to be stuck in the Hellmouth 
like bottle cork that he's been in. He's gone after this. Ep- well, we see there's a little bit more to deal with that. Actually, very quick spoilers. First episode of season two is really, really good. Um, <laughs> um, uh, the deals a little bit with the aftermath of this stuff, but um, like, yeah, the, the idea that she's able to come back more powerful and get rid of him for good is fantastic. Yeah. And it sets up beautifully. You don't know it at the time, but boy, this this episode and what happens episode sets up for some massive stuff going forward mm-hmm. from here on, which is huge. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar was wonderful in this. Anthony Stewart Head is fucking fantastic in this episode oh my as well. Goodness, yeah. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Giles because Giles is not getting a lot of like character stuff to do. Like, there's not. Giles-centric yeah. episodes yeah. really yet, apart from, like, him and Miss Calendar. He's more just, like, the... I wouldn't say expossession person because he's got more of a character than that, but he is guiding Buffy. He is the voice of, like, this is your responsibility, this is what you need to do. Yeah, I think in yeah in that scene that we get where Giles is talking to Angel about, look, I've read this prophecy, I'm really upset about it, yeah. um, all that stuff, and then Buffy comes in and is yes. clearly rattled. Um, it's a fantastic scene and just, like... The look on Giles' face and we see what is to be, like, what their relationship becomes and very clearly becomes is he loves and cares for Buffy Mm -hmm. so much and, yes, he's, you know, trained his whole life to see the Slayer as the Slayer and a larger purpose is important. But he, like, really cares for this young person that he is responsible for. Mm -hmm. And when her heart breaks, his heart breaks. When she's in danger, he feels it to his core. And we really see it in that scene. And it's it's really moving. That whole thing that he's going to be the one to go down to give a shit about what the prophecy says. Like, I'll probably die doing it, but I'm going to go. Fucking love you, Giles. You're the best. Yeah. yeah, far, I, lo- I loved it. It was such a it was such a great encapsulation. If it was the end of the show, mm-hmm. it obviously wouldn't have become the phenomena that it did. But it, yeah. you couldn't have been unhappy with where the show got to. Mm-hmm. Um, Xander's Z- CPR is weak source. I don't know how the fuck he brought anyone back to life with that sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, do you like that? Do you like it? Xander's the one to bring it back. Um. Because I not, do. like Not really, but that's because of my personal thoughts on Xander. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't Angel. Yes. Obviously, Willow, I wouldn't want Willow to be in that position. I think it was a good moment for Xander to step up and go out, yeah. go beyond himself. Just in terms Show of his like, worth also, his which worth, is always yeah. the problem with Xander is like, what the fuck do you do? <laughs> yeah. your, how do you contribute to this team? <laughs> yes. Um, and to see like... Beyond romantic intention, he does care about Buffy. Yes. Um, and I think that's important to establish and remind the audience of. Before we get to final thoughts, something mm. we really haven't talked about is, yes, we, there's episodic, but there is this overarching storyline that's happening in the background. It's very, very in the background for a lot of the show. You don't even know it's there most of the time. But we have this concept of the master, this ancient vampire that's living under Sunnydale who can't escape. He's tried to open the health ma- Hellmouth and bring about the apocalypse before. It failed. He got stuck there in sort of, as I said, this like cosmic bottle cork. Um, and the plan is to release him back onto the world. Doing so will bring about the apocalypse and end the world, but also he'll obviously he's a bad guy and he'll get out. How do you feel about the master as like the original Buffy Big Bad and and how it plays out in this season? One, I think the makeup is great. 
Like yeah. even for like 1997, I'm like that. It looks good. It, it's, it's like it, he is gr- disgusting. It's a gross face. Yeah. it's a really gross face. Um, so I enjoyed that. It's funny rewatching it because I remember him being way scarier. Watching it, I'm like, this guy's just like a bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> a bit of a diva. Isn't he's he? just yeah. like Meryl Streep in Devil Wears Prada. Like he's. Yeah. <laughs> so cutting and so mean, uh, but seems to be really enjoying himself, which is, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah. great. Um, In the Dracula, like, you know, he comes from the Dracula yes. school of vampires. Yeah, yeah, Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He's very like Nosferatu, yes. um, just in, both in design and in personality, which is yeah. quite fun. Um, I, I don't find him the most engaging part of the show, that's for sure. sure. Um, but I think for... A first big bad, I think it's a solid choice yep. to have like an ancient vampire like this, um, prophecies, all that stuff. And we know that he's really powerful. While we can't really see it, we do experience that through the fear that other vampires have in his presence, mm-hmm. which is important to establish. Um, I, it always makes me laugh every time. He, he loves to touch those boundaries. Oh, boy. Like the, the little make walls. Go, make the air go wall, 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 wall. He loves that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I would, you're absolutely right about that. Um, yeah, he's fine. I, can you explain to me? I, must, I might have missed it. What does the anointed one do? It, uh, or does, the do anointed they just need, one. Do they just, just need to exist? No, it just brings Buffy to... Oh, that's it. Okay. Pretty much that's what the that's what the prophecy seems to like. The 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 prophecies are a little bit whatever anyway, but it's Mm -hmm. like there there was this five people die, one of them rises the anointed one. They got that wrong, obviously, in that episode about who Mm -hmm. it was. And then will appear as a child is what that monk guy figured out, and then will lead the idea was he would lead the slayer to the master and she will not know who he is. And like, that's it. It's like his job was like just to bring him to mm. bring her to the master. Basically. Do you think um, that the prophecy was destined to somewhat fail because she did know who he was? Maybe you could read into that. I guess that they mm. were uh, aware of it, but um, I, I think the thing is the prophecy didn't fail. She died. She did yeah. die. Everything, everything happened in the prophecy was but true. I mean, by like, it didn't bring upon like the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Well, like, I don't think the prophecy necessarily says that. It's like, oh, doesn't it? Okay. It says that like, I don't have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's like, yes, he he understands what him rising will mean. But more mm. importantly, it brings him to the master and then he's able to escape. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of like cosmic prison there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of, if we're talking about prophecies, I think this show loves to play with a prophecy and definitely. how like predetermined fate, you know, while it's good to be Mm. informed and all that stuff, like you still have um, your own will and self-determination and losing hope because of what something has told you you can be um, is not the way to walk through life. Yeah. Well, the the prophecies tend to give you room, like the prophecies will come true, but there's room for like... Exactly. They're not Interpretation or mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, there's there's space yeah. there to to make it work one way or the other. The yeah. um, the you haven't watched much of season two yet, have you? I haven't started yet. Okay, we yeah. do like the, we get a little bit of extra stuff with the anointed one as well. I don't know if you oh, remember okay. that or not, cool. but like it's yeah. it's not a hundred percent done with mm-hmm. quite yet. Um, the other thing, oh yeah, just on the master as a bad guy. I think it's, I agree with you, it's perfect villain for season one. I think the balance there is really good. It's like, 
He doesn't overshadow the season. He is that impending doom behind it. He sort of just represents like Buffy's obligation, right? Buffy's biggest villain in season one is just like being the slayer, right? Like her yeah. inability to live a normal life because she has the responsibility to save the world and like that is weighs so heavily on her shoulders. He represents that. Um, yeah, is it the most compelling compared to future villains? There are definitely villains that speak more to more complex sides of Buffy than mm. that. But in terms of like you want to build the show on a strong foundation, this season and his role in it plays out perfectly, I yeah. think. And I agree with you that like the master is just fun to spend some time with. He the I think the performance is great. He is, as you said, like campy and a bit of a bitch and just like, yeah. <laughs> oh by the way, I like your dress and like all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Like and that makes him a good foil for Buffy as well, who likes a mm-hmm. quipple to herself. Like, it, it it serves its purpose exactly as it should and allows, like, the master walked so Glory can run, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So we can get- Ooh, all, does she know, run? Oh, mm. oh, boy, does she run. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it, it, the master's great. Yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? Um, I only have one just because I just enjoyed watching the show. But my one note is um, Angel's worst crime, the thing that should torment his soul the most, <laughs> is his tattoo. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so oh, bad. Oh, Angel's, isn't it? Like, yeah. that is such a, like... <laughs> Of the time, that's an element of the time. (laughs) Yes, it only could have been worse if it was tribal or like one of those like barbed wire tattoos around. Imagine if he had that. Yeah, yeah, that would. (laughs) I'm not convinced that David Boreanaz doesn't have that tattoo, and just they have to cover it with makeup. It looks pretty fake. Yeah, no, the tattoo. Sorry, I meant I. I was saying I think David Boreanaz has one of those. Oh, uh, gotcha. Barbed wire for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why. Um. A lot uh, there. It's funny. It's like I thought I would write down more lines that I liked. I don't mm-hmm. think the show was necessarily at its wittiest or its snappiest yet. Like it's got. Yep. There are some all time classics. Although the ending line of Buffy's, it's like, "I may be dead, but I'm still pretty," or whatever it is. Like that's iconic. Mm. Um, which says it to the master. I think my favorite like little bit was um, Alison Hannigan as Willow when they're talking about the Invisible Girl and how they've the written they've all written have a great summer in her yearbook and how that's like the kiss of death. I'm like yeah. It's like, we've never seen her before. And there's Xander's Have a yeah. Great Summer. And then Willow's is, no, sorry, Have a Nice Summer. And Willow's is Have a Great Summer. See, I care. <laughs> she worded <laughs> yeah. it just slightly differently. <laughs> Love that. Um, Xander rides a skateboard in like his introduction. But in he does one. acknowledge that he doesn't know how to stop. True, true. So, it's it was all for image. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, we never see it again. And it's mm. like, it's like, that didn't work out. Let's never do that again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the, the thing I, uh, the little detail I loved that I'd never noticed before is in episode, early, one of the early episodes, Buffy is like, you know, rummaging through her Slayer stuff that's hidden in her bedroom. She's getting some things to go and do some, I don't know, patrolling or whatever. And like, in her box around crucifixes and holy water and stuff is a jar of communion wafers. What's... <laughs> How does that work? What's their What's their purpose? Do you like shove one down a vampire's throat? Should there be some ribena in there as well? Like, what's the? I just yeah, thought that was the body I never of Christ compels you. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. really don't know. That's amazing. Uh, thought that was great. Uh, highlights and lowlights. What was your low light of the season, Damask? I mean, it's it's definitely like the dummy 
episode. The puppet show. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's got to be that. I agree. I'm just going to go with the episode. I'm going to say the puppet show is the weakest episode. If you could remove one and never think about it again, I think the puppet show would be a really, really, really easy just like cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about your highlight? Um, you know, I keep mentioning it's got to be the scene where Buffy, um, yeah, the, the moment that hits you really hard that she is a 16-year-old, the weight of the world is on her shoulders. It, um, it's a beautiful moment between her and Giles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that moment for me really hit. I think in general, just I think Prophecy Girl, if I'm mm-hmm. going to choose an episode, I think is the strongest. It's the best example of what Buffy can be at its best. Mm-hmm. It builds on the work the show did, making you care about these characters. It builds on the on the work the show did, making you understand Buffy's plight, the situation she's in. And like, if it was to be the final episode of the show, you'd be satisfied and saying like it 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 was mission accomplished. Um, and I know how important what happens in this episode means going forward. And I mm. basically instantly started watching season two afterwards. Yeah. Like it's great. It's a great episode. Uh, predictions, hopes or concerns. Well, um, question for you then instead, let's, okay. we can't predict what's going to happen in a show we've already watched before. Mm-hmm. Do you think we will ever get more Buffy and, or do you want more Buffy? Hmm. Um, do I think we will? Yes, I do. I think so too. Um, do I want more Buffy? I mean, here's the thing. I'm. I guess like Buffy is. You know, we've seen the horribleness of Star Wars fandom. Buffy, I guess, is my Star Wars. But I refuse mm-hmm. to be one of those people that, if future iterations exist and are subpar, I'm not gonna. F- you know, cry about it and be like, it it now retroactively ruins. Buffy exists as a whole and that whole to me is practically perfect in every way and is so important. And I don't mean perfect in terms of, you know, it always executes things perfectly. Mm. It's perfect to me because it was a show that um, has enriched my life beyond compare. Mm. Um, And nothing, nothing will ever change that. So if they make... Even shitty creators... Like, even shitty creators, even terrible yeah. choices, even if they go, this is now canon and it, you know, quote unquote, ruins things that have happened in the seasons that we have now. That doesn't matter. This show will always exist and will always be just as special. So they can do whatever they want with this intellectual property because this is far more than just intellectual property to me. So the answer to the question is, do you want more <laughs> Buffy? The answer seems to be no, though. Like... No, I don't need it. What I have is, yeah. I don't need it. If they make it and it's fabulous, then I will be like, oh, yes, I've always wanted this. I never knew how much I wanted this. Because when I think, okay, something similar is A League of Their Own to me. I sure. love yes. that film. It's yes. so yeah. important. Did yeah. I, you know, thinking about, oh, a show, oh, that could be cool. Um, and then I watched it and I never knew how much that show and how they made it, how much that yeah. means to me. That's re- a really great show. Um, and what they did just made my heart sing. Um, so if they make something like that in terms of Buffy, pff, of course I'm going to be happy. But do I hope for it? No, I don't. Um, I think we will get more Buffy one day. There was a will. plan that we're going to reboot it or do a sequel series. It was hard mm. to tell what that sort of was going to be. It seemed to get shelved last year, mostly because I think the Joss Whedon of it all has made that very toxic right mm. now. You can't really touch Buffy. 
um, without invoking his name. So that's never a good thing. Um, do I want more Buffy? I think the, I think the answer is complex, but it's kind of yes. I wouldn't mind seeing someone try. I think I get excited mm. about it. I don't think I want it to be a continuation of the Buffy universe that we're familiar with. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, I don't yeah. necessarily want it to be a sequel series with a different Slayer. I don't want them to bring back Sarah Michelle Gellar. I don't think she wants to come back to like bring Buffy back. And if you really want more Buffy stuff, there was a series, a couple of seasons of comic books, I think. Mm. True of Angel as well. Um, So there's stuff out there if you're looking for more Buffy desperately. I think the best approach would be just a straight up reboot, modernize it. Um, It'd be the same characters essentially, but with different actors and update it for the modern sensibilities, basically. The question is, what's the purpose of it? Is like, if you were going to do that, how valuable is it? Um, to to speak to another generation and try and offer the same thing, I think there's some value there, definitely. But can it do something that the original series didn't do aside from being set now? I'm not sure, honestly. I'm yeah. not sure there's a whole lot to achieve there. Whereas, I guess at least with like something like um, A League of Their Own... That's a great movie, right? But mm. it's limited in scope because it was mm-hmm. a movie. And you could argue that there was modern storytelling would allow you to tell some stuff that was sort of hidden under the surface of that. Yeah, that only absolutely. Because it's not time to like look deeper than that. It's a fairly focused story, but you could see how you can expand that into a bigger world. I'm, I'm not sure Buffy leaves a lot left on the table that you need to go to. You could mm. make it a bit gayer than it already was, I guess. You could make yeah. it a bit more modern, but it's it's... Fairly all that stuff anyway. I think it's pretty I guess, universal. Yeah. My only concern, say, if they did make a modern Buffy, is that it would um, lessen the likelihood that people would go and watch the old one. Well, that's the question that's going to happen with, like, the uh, live-action Avatar The Last Airbender that's coming out, mm. supposedly this year, is, mm-hmm. like, is the value in that going to be that people are going to go back and watch the original animated show, or is it going to overshadow that? Mm. Um I don't know. I just, I don't know. If they brought it back, I feel like they would have to try and also try and um, differentiate themselves from the original yeah. somehow. I wonder whether they're going to miss the tonal importance or the, the, like, the things that make Buffy, Buffy, is it going to become more like Riverdale? Do you know what I mean? Where it becomes oh. more like romance orientated and sexualized and that sort of stuff in that way. Or more mm. like Sabrina, mm-hmm. um, which at, at its best, I thought Sabrina did some good Buffy stuff and then got worse as it went on. It yeah. sort of it lost it. all yeah. of that. It cooked it. Um, so there's that worry. But I would I would be supportive of an effort. I'd be supportive of it. I think yeah. if it made Buffy relevant to another audience and especially if it allowed people to go back and enjoy the original, then great. I think, um, yeah, was- now that I'm older... I'm like less precious about the yeah. idea. I'm like, There's people can do it. whatever they want. It actually doesn't matter. It is of no consequence to me because I just can love the things I love. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm definitely not aching for like, I need more from this universe because no. I'm, I'm, and maybe that's a time thing. Maybe if you asked me like a year after the show ended, I might have been like, oh, I'm just missing Buffy so much. I want more of it. Yeah. But I mean, a no, part of me I'm will content. like, you know, we get to the end of the series and a part of me is always like, I don't like, it's so sad because I don't want to leave. You know, like that is always like a huge part of the show. Even, you know, every time I rewatch it and it's been countless times, I always Mm. have this like huge uh, gaping hole in my heart that it's it's over again, which 
talks to the power of the show. So I always have that feeling, but I'm not like, but I'm still content. I am satisfied with what I have. Well, the answer is go and find the next thing, you know? You can go watch Angel, for instance, which I'm planning with Steph when we get to season four, which is Mm. when Angel starts, Mm -hmm. to go back and forth between the show like they aired on TV. But, like, go find other shows. Go start watching, you know, there is so much TV out there. This this is what we've proved over the last six years. There's more TV than you can possibly possibly (laughs) watch in a lifetime. It's impossible. Um you know, go and find the next thing and come back to Buffy down the track. You, something mm. else can... You don't, it doesn't need to be more of the same thing. You can find other things. There was also at one stage they... There was a pitch to do an animated Buffy show. The mm. little like... Not Sizzle Rule, but little like um, proof of concept video that. is available. Yeah. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah. And you could do that. Like I mm. like the idea of like... Do a Buffy TV show where they never have to grow out of high school. <laughs> Just keep the whole yeah. thing set in high school. Yeah. And you can even bring back some of the original vo- the actors' voice talent if you want. Um, and, like, sort of... Just fill in some of the in-between parts even. Tell stories or an alternate universe version of Buffy that doesn't play it exactly the same way, but with the same characters, but in animated form. I'd be cool for something like that, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That'd, that'd work out. I don't hate that idea. Yeah. Um, and it would differentiate itself enough that I think you wouldn't have to be constantly comparing the two. Um, mm. Since this is our last chance, do you have any recommendations regarding Buffy for listeners? Like, is it as simple as just start season one, work your way through all seven seasons? Yes. Or would you... Are there any episodes you'd recommend? Like, for instance, Doctor Who... Mm. Um, it's easy sometimes to get people hooked into the show by going, listen, you should go watch Blink or you should watch this episode because it's such a great example of what the show can be at its best. If someone's still gotten this far somehow and they're like, hmm, I'm not sure, could you point them in the direction of any particular episodes that they should watch? Yeah. I mean, there are heaps of episodes that like I really, really love. Um, what? I, okay, I've got to say two things. Firstly, you absolutely have to watch this show or should watch and you don't have to do anything you should watch this show um from the beginning all the way through it is that journey that is something so special to experience that Mm -hmm. i really am hesitant to um encourage listeners to go and watch a random episode if you're someone who like is really lacking in motivation and lord knows never have motivation so i get it um if if you really like if that's really stopping you from beginning i don't know go watch watch um hush because there's heaps of episodes that i love but have like huge kind of ramifications or meaning because of its context yeah hush kind of just is a cool interesting episode there are obviously larger things going on but it's a bit of fun but also just like watch the first episode yeah Watch, just watch the first one and see if it's something you're interested in. Um, and I, I, yeah, recommend you stick with it because it will certainly reward that experience. Yeah. Um, so, I'm working my way back through it and I struggle sometimes to remember like... I watch a lot of season six, but it's such a big... Like, it's very season easy to get spoiled on so much of Buffy by jumping to season favorite. six. my um, favourite. Obviously, I love season five. Season six is my favourite. I know. It's the most, like, emo season. It's, like, so full of, like, oh. um, But I don't know. It just, like, it kind of, like, broke my heart in a way that a television show never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I, I love that season. And yes, there are episodes in that season that I love. I'm thinking, you know, and please don't go and watch this, but like Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa is almost incredible. the one I would recommend, right? Because it's incredible. I think you can jump into that but without you only, context and have only, a fun time. Yeah, sure. But it's only really, really great because we know who those characters, characters are and why they're acting the way that they are is both humorous and heartbreaking. It's so similar, I don't actually think that's a good one. Once More With Feeling. It's like, yes, yeah. you can enjoy Once More With Feeling without having watched the previous stuff. But it's not but It's not it's, the same. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. This is something else that's special about Buffy. It's right. It's like mm. you can point and pull out particular episodes and go, that was an amazing episode of TV. The Body, for instance. Or yeah. that's oh. a really cool episode of TV. <laughs> don't yeah, go and cool. watch The Body. <laughs> do not do go, not watch, go the and watch The Body, please. <laughs> like, that is the one don't. that you should absolutely don't. never, ever watch by itself. No, you have to watch that in context. Yes. Um, you have to. Um, the I would even say like the Zeppo and stuff like that, right? Mm. These are episodes mm-hmm. you could pull out and you can examine yeah. them as an individual thing and go like, this was an incredible episode of television that was doing something that maybe hadn't been done before. But the truth is that almost every episode, particularly as the show goes on, becomes more and more crucial to the overarching storyline. Season six mm. is the best example of this where yeah. like, once More Feeling stands out as like an incredible episode of TV from the, its like craft point of view. It's also like crucial to the emotional <laughs> development of these characters. Mm-hmm. Like it is a pivotal episode. It can't just, it's not a throwaway filler yeah. episode that happens to be a musical. It the is before like. The before is so important and the after and what, is and so important. And what this does and what yes. it means. This going is the forward, moment. Is, this is the turning moment. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a pillar in the middle of this season. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, you can't, you shouldn't experience it without seeing yeah. what comes before it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what's amazing about it is like, yeah, the, like the standard episodes that, like Hush even, mm. they still have. They they aren't just that you can't just pull them out. They yeah. do matter. Anyway, uh, we could go on and on and on and on and on. Thank you <laughs> so very much for listening to this episode and any episode, honestly, of Hunting Seasons over the last six years. You can find everything we've done via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis. That's B G O R D E S Damask. You can't find me anywhere, but if you ever want to reach out, just, I don't know, tweet at Broad and he'll forward it. Tweet, along. tweet at me is probably the safest thing to do. I don't yeah, know what's going to happen to the he, hunting seasons. He's uh, my PA Twitter. at this point <laughs> moving forward. So, yeah. Uh, next episode, we back one last time oh. for the hunting seasons grand finale special episode. In the meantime, Thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah.